Amen. I hope that's your prayer, too, that you want to be faithful. Amen. All right. Do we have anybody that the Lord has spoken to your heart and you, uh, he wants you to give a testimony tonight? doesn't have to be anybody, and that's okay if there's not. Uh, but if the Lord has spoken to your heart, then, then speak out. Yes, sir. Amen. It was a blessing. Amen. Promotion Sunday happened, and they are officially in seventh grade, and they jumped right in. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. I saw another hand somewhere. Ellie? We're in Michigan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, you believed it, you believed that Jesus died for your sins and you were saved and didn't even know it at the time, huh? All right, very good. That's a good testimony. I praise the Lord for our for our salvation, amen. That he's willing to save a wretched soul like me. Amen. All right, anybody else? The Lord speaking to your heart? Yes, sir, brother Frank. Amen. <laughs> Mine too. Amen. Amen. It's been stepping on my toes too. <laughs> so praise the Lord. We we need to hear it, don't we? Uh, Sherry. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Excuse me. I'm thankful that the Lord sends extra help. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, Dad? Amen. 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 And he gives us the, the desire and the power to do his will. And that's his grace. And so, <laughs> to will and to do of his good pleasure. I love that part, too. So, to the, gives us the will and, to the, and the ability to do his good pleasure, to please him. Boy, what a great thing. All right, once I finish out Romans, uh, my dad is going to start preaching uh, for a little bit on Sunday nights. And so... Uh, he wanted me to finish out Romans. I told him it may be a while, <laughs> but he was okay with that. And, uh, we're, and so we're looking forward to that. All right, anybody else? Well, yes. Uh huh. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. But by the grace of God, amen. All right, anybody else you want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit? The Lord's telling you to say something. If not, we'll just go ahead and open to Romans 15. But anybody, yes. Amen. 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 
Yeah. 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 Amen. 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 Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're grateful that you're here, and it's a blessing in addition to our to our home here and to our church. All right. Anybody else? Michelle. today will hit everyone I mean talk about needing mercy in the home I mean that'll just I don't care who you are that'll hit you <laughs> that'll step on your toes all right anybody else before we go Ellie got another one I guess she gets to stay in junior church a little bit longer. She promoted out, so she's not supposed to be in junior church. But mom's not here to help her be still. <laughs> so she's staying at junior church for one more month. And she's, she's making precious hold on to that. All right. Well, speak up if you want to go. Otherwise, turn to Romans chapter 15. And don't feel bad about speaking up. Praise the Lord for what the Lord's doing in our hearts and lives. Amen. I've heard, already heard testimonies uh, outside of church of how the te testimonies have helped them and blessed them. And I think it's so important. I don't know how we get away from it, uh, but I think it's just important. And there will be weeks when, you know, we don't have anything specific that the Holy Spirit is prompting us to say, and that's okay. Uh, sometimes we feel awkward, and there's nothing to feel awkward about. And then also we feel awkward whenever we get emotional. And, uh, hey, this is a safe place, <laughs> okay? It's okay. It's okay to be emotional. Okay, I know we're we're northerners, right? We don't get emotional, you know. We're you know, <laughs> but it's okay to to do that when we're talking about the Lord and what He doesn't does in our hearts. Amen. Uh, Romans 15. We're looking at one through 13 today, and we've been looking at the Christians' relationships as we've studied through the past few chapters. We talked about in chapter 12, verses one and two. We talked about the believer's relationship to God. In verses 3 through 8 of that chapter, we talked about the relationship with himself. We talked about in verses 9 through 13 of chapter 12, his relationship with other believers, and then his relationship with unbelievers. Then in chapter 13, we talked about his relationship with the government. Uh, then we talked about his relationship with fellow citizens in chapter, three, verse, uh, 13, chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And then we talked about his relationship with time. Uh, then we talked about, in chapter 14, the believer's relationship between the strong and the weak believers uh, there. Today we're going to start in Romans chapter 15 with uh, just two more chapters. Now it's two more chapters, we're done with Romans. But uh, <coughs> this is what I believe will be the last sermon on the believer's relationships. And we're going to be moving into another section next week. And this relationship is a plural relationship. It's a church's relationship with each other, the relationship of the church with each other. 
And uh, in this, I want to look at five marks of a strong fellowship within the church. So let's read together uh, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. Verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For every Christ, uh, even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant, to, grant you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. <coughs> now, <coughs> I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy, sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to look at five marks of a strong fellowship within the church. Every believer has a part in building and making the church strong. And here it is very closely laid out for us. So let's begin with Mark number one. We see this in verses one through three. Roman number one, the strong helps the weak. The first mark of a strong church is that the strong help the weak. Verse 1 through 3 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. <coughs> Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. If a church is going to be a strong church and going to have a strong believers and strong fellowship, we're going to have to help the weaker brothers. And we understand this as a continuation kind of from chapter 14 where we talked about the strong and the weak brothers. And they are they who judge others, who grumble and complain or murmur and criticize. Romans 14, 2 and 3, 2 and 3 says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him with that eateth. For God hath received him. Then down to verse 10 he says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Then verse 13, it says, let us, therefore, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. The weak brothers are those who still trust in rules to keep them holy. Uh, the do's and don'ts behavior. They need, uh, I believe, personally, I believe that the Holy Spirit convicts them of those things. And uh, they ought to obey the Holy Spirit. But the reason God convicts them over these little things that we think sometimes is because they need more help. They need more strength to keep them from falling into sin. 
And whatever the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts us about, it's for our good. Uh, but we're not to judge them. We're not to condemn them because they aren't exercising their freedom. Uh, we're to encourage them to do what's right. In fact, the Bible says we are to curb our own freedom uh, to keep them from stumbling. Okay? The strong help the weak. Romans 14.1 says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Uh, verse 14 and 15 of that chapter, it says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to their heart and said, that is unclean, that is something you shouldn't do, it's a sin for you to do it. Okay? And it says, verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. And if he is convicted about meat, and you're eating meat in front of him, uh, then, and you're causing him to stumble or be grieved, then uh, you're not walking in love. Okay? And you need to curb your own freedoms for the sake of your brother. And the word bear there, uh, it means, um, in this verse rather, it's the word uh, bastazo. It doesn't just mean to put up with, but rather it, it has the idea of helping them along. Uh, like a mother or father would help a toddler in love and compassion to grow in life. It's helping them to grow, helping them along. And we all, all are responsible to do this. We are to, the strong are to help the weak. And first of all, we do this because, letter A, it is in obedience to God's word. God tells us to do it in his word. The next verse tells us directly. <coughs> verse 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Our focus is to be on our neighbor, not our own desires. And this word please carries the idea of being deferent, uh, deferring to someone else. It means to accommodate oneself to another. And when we're with someone, we defer our desires, our preferences, our standards, so that we don't offend the weaker brother. And why does this verse say that we are to do this? He says it's for his good to edification. We edify them. We're building them up and helping them from falling. So we defer to others for the purpose of edifying them, building them up. And not only because the Bible tells us to, but also we do this because we're, letter B, following Christ's example. We're following Christ's example. Verse 3, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. If there was anyone who had every right to do what he wanted to do, it was Christ. Okay? Uh, but he didn't please himself. He deferred to others. He bore the reproach himself so that the reproach wouldn't fall on God the Father, specifically says. He, did. he didn't pray, Father, remove this cup of sacrifice and denial from me. He prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy, thou wilt. Uh, he bore the reproach so that others could know the Father. And uh, he was willing to be inconvenienced, even scorned, so that others could be saved. And we need to have this spirit. We need, uh, we'll never face what he faced, the extreme that he faced. But even if it meant being inconvenienced, we ought to be willing to defer so that the weaker brother might be able to grow and not stumble. Acts 20, 35 says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And this is truly life-changing, isn't it? When we really get our focus off of ourselves and on those around us and make sure that we're living our life in a way that doesn't cause someone else to stumble. Instead of asking if questionable behavior is right or moral, instead we begin asking ourselves, is this good for my brother for me to do this? Will it help them? Will it hurt them? Will this edify and build up my brother? Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. All of the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we're going to obey God, we're going to have to love our neighbors and love each other uh, more than ourselves. So the first mark uh, is the, uh, the strong help the weak. The second mark of a strong fellowship in a church is that everyone studies the scriptures. Everyone studies the scriptures. Uh, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In a strong church, everyone studies the word of God, the things that were written aforetime. This is the purpose of the word of God. We study the scripture here. The Bible tells us a couple things here. First of all, letter A, for our learning. We study so that we can learn. And that's our instruction, our direction, our guidance, just as we read instruction manuals. I know, men, we don't like to do that, but it's for our benefit if we do <laughs> most of the time, and also the benefit of our family when things don't fall apart on top of them. Uh, but it's our, it's our instruction manual, our direction manual, and we need to study that. And the word of God is that for us. Acts 17.11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Oh, that, that, that was our testimony as the church. Amen? Among Christians, we were known as those who searched the scriptures to confirm that what is being taught is true and what it was being taught is according to the word of God. Uh, I'll never... Uh, begrudge church members going home and studying the sermon that I preached and studying the scriptures and seeing if that is what the word of God says. I'll never begrudge that. Amen. Because I want to preach the truth. <laughs> Amen. And if I preach something wrong, I want to know. Amen. Now, sometimes we see things differently. And there are times whenever we say, you know, I just, I just don't agree with that interpretation of this. I really believe that this says this. And we try to bring other scriptures into light to show that. Uh, but there are times whenever we just have to agree to disagree and let God handle it. Amen? And uh, just love each other anyways. As long as it's not something hugely doctrinal where I'm preaching heresy, <laughs> then it's okay sometimes to just agree to disagree. But search the scripture to verify what that is being taught is true. Even the Old Testament saints' lives were written for our benefit. And we need to search the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 tells us this. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Okay? These things were written for our instruction, our help. So we need to study the scriptures for our own learning. Secondly, we not only study because of for our learning, but we study for our stirring. Our stirring. Reading the word of God stirs our hearts. It stirs up the things within us given by the Holy Spirit that helps us grow. It stirs up patience. Uh, the, that word patience, biblical word patience, means the bearing of evils and suffering with tranquil mind. 
You know, dealing with those, uh, those evil things that happen, those hard things that happen with yet remaining a tra- having a tranquil mind. It stirs up. What else does it stir up according to this verse? It stirs up comfort, the Bible says here. That word is the word paraclesis. It's where we get the word, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Uh, it means encouragement, consolation, help, exhortation. Whatever is needed to comfort the believer, that is what is given by the word of God. And so we need to study scripture so we see that. What else is there? It stirs up hope. Uh, the expectation of obtaining that which you desire for. And having that hope, the hope of his coming especially, I believe. Now look at these great verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. <coughs> he says, For verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Holy Spirit unto unfeigned love and breath of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart. I think this is the right verses. Uh, Fervently, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth for, abideth forever. I'm not sure why I got that verse. I might have grabbed the wrong verse. I wonder if it's 2 Peter. Let's see here. I I didn't write out my thought why I was putting those verses. No, it's not Second Peter. Well, I'll have to go find it. I don't know why I wrote that verse down. I, I didn't finish my thought there. Uh, I just went right into the conclusion of that point. Um, but anyways, uh, so number one, uh, number one was, uh, at, at, what was number one? The strong help the weak. I forgot what it was already. Uh, secondly, number two, everyone studies the scriptures. Uh, the mark number three uh, the mark of a strong church is, number three, everyone works for harmony. Everyone works for harmony. Verses 5 and 6. It says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be one, with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone works for harmony. <clears throat> there are many differences among people. Differences of ideas, differences of beliefs, differences of histories, differences of opinions. The strong church is one where everyone works for harmony. Now, it's not fair if everybody but one person works for harmony and they have to harmonize their way. <laughs> okay, Everyone works for harmony according to the will of God and leading of the Holy Spirit. And Paul has just said that uh, by studying the word of God, we can have patience and comfort with one another. Now he prays to the God of patience and of consolation or comfort. And uh, it will make us like-minded with this, uh, harmonious, uh, unified. The God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one towards another. Uh, We secure our patience and comforts uh, from both God and the scripture. Amen? After all, it is his words, uh, but we get that comfort and that patience by reading the word of God and studying the word of God, and we get that by the gift of God to us. He is the father of all patience and consolation. We can ask God to give us strength to deal with one another in love and in harmony. 
And there are times whenever someone's personality conflicts with your personality, right? Anybody else experience that? Okay. And, uh, you know, you're just like, oh, boy, here they come. <laughs> you know? <coughs> and you could say, Lord, help me to live in love and harmony with this person. Help me to, uh, to love this person the way that I ought to. Okay? I was just talking to my kids about that the other, uh, last night. And sometimes certain individuals are more difficult to deal with than others. And we need to ask the Lord to help us. We need to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Otherwise, what happens is God sends them back around and back around and back around until we learn the lesson. And if they go away, someone else comes along that's just like them. <laughs> but God says, you're going to get this. You're going to get this where I want what I'm trying to teach you. And so it's better if we just yield to the Holy Spirit, pray to him and say, help me to learn what I need to learn so this person will go away. No, so that, uh, so that I'll learn how to deal with it better and it won't bother me anymore. Amen? Uh, just what I was talking about this morning with mercy as well. Notice the purpose of believers having harmony with one another in this verse. He says that it might glorify God with one mouth and one, uh, with one mind and one mouth. The whole purpose of this is that we as a church can glorify God. Amen? And as one mind and as one mouth, we can worship God. A church divided cannot truly worship God. It cannot. Because our focus is on the wrong thing. We need to be united. And the focus will always be on our own desires, our own ways, rather than the focus being where it ought to be, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone in the church has to work towards harmony. And one mind, one spirit in Christ, all yielding to and through the Holy Spirit of God. In strong fellowship, we see the strong helping the weak. In our strong fellowship, we see everyone studying the scriptures. In a strong fellowship, we see everyone working for harmony. Mark number four, in a strong church, everyone accepts one another. Everyone accepts one another. Verse 7 through 12. Verse 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As is it written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. Again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, as I saith, There shall be, no root of <clears throat> shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. There is no discrimination in a strong church. Amen? We're all one. In this church in Rome, there was a lot of discussion already on Romans about the Jew and the Gentile, isn't there? Uh, the law and grace. But there is no distinction between uh, the Jew or the Gentile, the rich or the poor, the black or the white, the male or the female, the young or the old. All are accepted. All are received by the strong church. And the word means to take to oneself. To receive, it means to take to oneself. To receive a person as a friend. To bring them to you. All believers are to receive one another. Even as Christ also received us to what? Again, the glory of God. Amen? That's why Christ received us. So that God would receive the glory. And when we receive each other, we give God the glory for it. 
and he gets glory from it. He is our greatest example, Jesus Christ. Christ received the Jews and ministered to them so that they uh, so that he could confirm and fulfill the promises that were made to them about him, about the Messiah. But Christ received the Gentiles and ministered to them as well. And came to bring salvation to all. And he came and brought mercy, the mercy of God to all. And this was uh, foretold. The gospel would be preached to the Gentiles. Psalm 18:49 says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. <coughs> it was foretold the Gentiles would rejoice with God's people. Deuteronomy 34, 33. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and, I, and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And the O nations is talking about the Gentiles, all the other nations. And it was foretold the Gentiles would praise God and trust in Christ as their Savior. Isaiah 11, verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. What happened? Oh, uh, later in verse 10, it says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. Uh, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And so we are to receive one another just like Christ received all of us. Galatians 3.28, he's emphasizing the Jew and the Greek as well. He said, there, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, no, neither male nor female, for Ye are all one in Christ. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says, For what now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off, he's talking about the Gentiles, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There now is no separation between us. If we have a strong church, we're going to show these marks. The mark of the strong helping the weak, the mark of studying scriptures. Everyone in the church studies the scriptures. The mark that everyone works for harmony. The mark that everyone accepts one another. And then the fifth mark. A strong church is one where everyone is filled with the Spirit. Everyone is filled with the Spirit. Notice verse 13. <coughs> it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, Paul is praying here. He's giving a prayer to them. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The things that Paul is praying for here cannot be obtained apart from God and the Holy Ghost. We cannot have joy. We cannot have peace. We cannot have hope without the work of the God in our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have those fruit that come. First of all, we have joy, letter A. And joy is that it's an inner gladness despite any circumstances. It's an assurance and confidence that brings a cheerful heart that comes out. And that's seen through cheerful behavior, amen? If we're a grumpy Gus... Uh, then we're not really showing forth the joy of the Lord, are we? And uh, we need to be filled with the Spirit and show forth that joy. And Jesus came to give us joy, he said. John 17, 13 says, Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
Jesus came to give us joy. Isn't that good? Amen. And uh, praise the Lord. Is any wonder we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. He came to give us joy. And these people that walk around say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, it makes me wonder. <laughs> you know, they're certainly not filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think I told you, but as a child, I remember seeing a cartoon, a drawing, and the little girls were playing in the front yard, and there's this line of people going in suits and uh, slumped over and going like this, uh, walking down the street. <clears throat> One girl says to the other, uh, who are they? It's, oh, nothing, it's just the Christians on their way to church. <laughs> you know, Boy, as a child, that struck me. You know, I thought, I don't want to be like that. Amen? I want something to be different. You know, when I see people in the community and I uh, make eye contact with somebody, I, I want to have a smile on my face, amen? I want to I let them know something's different, even if it means he's weird. Uh, you know, something's different about that man, okay? And uh, one of the best compliments I've received since I've gotten here is, uh, is some, somebody said that uh, somebody told a church member here, he goes, man, your pastor is nice. He's friendly. Well, amen. That's the way we ought to all be, Amen. We ought to be known as the friendliest church in this town. Amen? And uh, we ought to be known for our joy. Okay? But he doesn't stop at joy. Oh, I, didn't, I, I skipped over something here. Let's see. Um, oh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing... You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even though we have not seen Jesus face to face, he has done the work in our lives. And because we believe, he gives us joy. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. But he doesn't stop at joy. He fills us also with letter B, peace, with peace. This is a peace that passes all understanding. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, excuse me. And this is a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that can only be given by God. Uh, knows the peace that comes in believing. Uh, when we rest in our faith, the storms of doubt and trouble fade into peace. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let, let it be afraid. We have no reason to be fear. We have no reason to be troubled. Because God came, Jesus came to give us peace. And your peace is to be full. And we, have, we will have tribulation. But we'll still have the peace in the midst of it. John 16.33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Okay, that I speak these things. Jesus says, are the things I'm telling you, I'm telling you so you'll have peace. Tribulation's coming, but you need to be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Okay, God is outside of time. Jesus knew there, this world and the tribulation and Satan and all of his minions and everybody else, is, their time is limited. Amen? Yeah, they're limited. He is already, it's so real, it's so sure that it's as if it has already happened. Amen? I have, past tense, overcome the world. Amen? And this, this comes through faith and believing and keeping our mind on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 tells us, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. How can a Christian have peace in the midst of a storm? 
It all depends on whether where you're keeping your mind. Amen? And it all depends upon the, faith, the, the yielding to the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is what brings it to us. And he helps us, he yields us, and gives us that peace. And then thirdly, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will have, the, according to this verse here, we'll have hope. We'll have hope. Paul says that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And the third gift, and that, that's not one of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the love and joy, joy and peace, excuse me, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, but hope isn't one of them, but it's still a gift from God and a gift from Holy Spirit, amen? He says not only is it a gift, but he says that you're going to abound in hope, amen, through the power of the Holy Ghost. And this hope is an expected good. You're expecting it. It's not like, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, but it's like, I know, I know, I know, amen? It's coming. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says, by the, that by two immutable things, the unchanging, that word immutable means unchanging, by the, by, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, comfort, that word means, who have fled for refuge to lay upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor to, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We have that hope, and it becomes that anchor in our lives, that whatever storms come, we can be sure. And God cannot lie. He's not able, he's not capable of lying. And he told us that he is coming again. When we are, filled, uh, when we are living filled with the Holy Spirit of God, this hope becomes our anchor. The winds may blow, the waves may crash, but we will not be moved because we have the anchor of the soul, which is our hope. These three can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit as we yield to him. So everyone in a strong church has to be yielded, has to be filled, has to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. I've used the illustration before about a glove, and sometime one day I'm going to bring a glove with me. But uh, if I set a glove down here on the, on the pulpit, and I said, glove, get me a drink of water. Now, everybody would laugh and say, pastor's lost, he's uh, off his rocker, and uh, he's, he's, he's lost it. Uh, the glove can't do it, right? But if I put my hand inside of that glove and fill that glove, anything that my hand can do, that glove can now do. Amen. And so I say, glove, get me a drink of water. You say, well, it's not the glove getting you the drink. You're right, it's not. Amen? But whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what that word means. Okay? And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, anything that my hand can do, my, that glove can do, and that hand is controlling that glove, and he reaches down and gets a drink of water. Okay? That is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled by him yielding it to him. You say, well, controlled by the Holy Spirit really isn't us, right? It's not our part. I'm saying, okay, control me. I, I, I can't command him to, you know, I mean, that's anything else. Instead, what's our part? Our part and the filling, being filled with the Holy Spirit is yielding. That's what our part is. Our part is to yield to him. I become flexible. That glove could be soaked in something hard, an epoxy or something, and be unyielding. And anything my hand wants to do, it won't budge. Okay? But if it's yieldable, if it's moldable, if it's able to be bent, then the power of the hand is able to control that glove. 
Why? Because the glove yielded to the power of the hand. Okay? So our part in being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we yield to the Holy Spirit every day, every hour, every moment. Okay? You listening and saying, Holy Spirit, what would you have me to do? I've given the illustration before uh, where I've said, Holy Spirit, what would you have me to wear today? And the time, one of the times that I did that, I, uh, I just, a tie jumped, I had to wear a tie that day, and I, a tie jumped out off of the thing. I just like, man, it was my favorite tie anyways. It had it's yellow with bright, uh, bright yellow with uh, smiley faces all over it. And the, the circle of the smiley face said, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. I loved that tie. It was bright and cheerful and everything else. So I said, oh, no problem. I'll grab that tie, and I put it on. Went through my whole day, not, you know, everything, and I uh, went to Safeway, the grocery store, on the way home from school that day, teaching school. And uh, on the way back, I thought, i got to get me some stuff for, to make for supper. I was living alone at the time before I was married. And I was in the freezer section, because any bachelor you know will go to the freezer section first. And uh, looking at the food and, and deciding what I wanted, and a guy came up beside me, was looking beside me, and he said, oh, I like your tie. And I said, oh, thank you. And I said, do you know what that said? I said, do you know that? And uh, it said, he looked closer. It says, God loves you. I said, did you know that God loves you? And it opened a door for me to witness to him. And the man in the freezer section of Safeway bowed his head and accepted Christ as a Savior. Would that have ever happened if I didn't yield to the Holy Spirit that morning and say, what would you have me to wear today? Now, there have been other times when I said, Lord, what would you have me to wear today? And nothing happened. <laughs> Amen. And uh, who knows? Maybe it blessed somebody. I don't know. I don't know how my dress can bless anybody. But, uh, or, how, how, Lord, how would you have me to go to work today? You know, and perhaps it takes you to some place that you wouldn't, a direction you wouldn't necessarily go, keeps you from a wreck. Or put you in a path of somebody who's in trouble that you need to stop and help them. Uh, you know, yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the marks of a strong church. The strong help the weak. The everyone studies the scriptures. Everyone works for harmony. Everyone accepts one another. Everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you helping us become a strong church? Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts with these words, Lord, and help us, Father, to do our part to yield to your Holy Spirit and do these things that you have said in your word that will enable us to become the kind of church that you want us to be. And keep our testimony strong among this community. And I pray that you help us to love one another and love those around us. We love you, Lord, today. I pray that you speak to our hearts and help us. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. All right.